Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting The Productivity Show. For a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com forward slash TPS60 and use the code TPS60. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get the important things done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Working with others can provide a lot of challenges, and one challenge in particular is managing your calendar. How do you balance getting your deep work done while at the same time collaborating with your teammates? And how do you do that in the most efficient, effective, and reliable way? We'll share our philosophies around team calendars, what has worked and not worked for us, and some best practices for managing a team calendar, booking time with others, protecting your deep work time, and having everyone aligned and informed. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 234. And now, on with the show. Welcome, Tan. How are you? Doing good today. How are you today? I'm excellent. So today we are going to be talking about work calendars and team calendars and how to use those the most effectively. But like we always do now, we're going to start with our top three resources that are inspired by our three times rule. And I'm just going to race through these about 90 seconds and then we'll get on with the show. So our number one resource, and we are going to be touching on this a bit later, is Calendly, which is an online service that allows you to get people booking meetings with you and avoids the whole dance of sending emails back and forth trying to find a time. It's a great and fast way to find a time to have a meeting. The second resource, I think, is the first book we've put in this little section, and it's a book that I just completed. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work by Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen. And they have a bunch of books that I've really liked pretty much all of them. Uh, This latest one is great. It takes you through how they have structured their company, Basecamp it's called, a software company, how they've structured it to basically be productive, but also be calm and profitable. So it's an interesting take that kind of goes the opposite of what a lot of productivity advice that you read. So that's, that's the next step. And then the third resource, a little bit out of left field, but I was just on the East Coast of North America for Christmas time a few months ago. And one thing my wife and I both loved is a pair of socks, pretty inexpensive from Uniqlo, which is a, a clothing store, a Japanese clothing store. It's all over the world now. And it's the Uniqlo Heat Tech socks. They keep your feet warm, but they're not thick. And so I've been loving my Uniqlo Heat Tech socks. So if you have cold feet, like I do, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting old or what, but check out Uniqlo Heat Tech socks. They're available online, but there's more colors in store as well. And we have links to all of these in the show notes. All right, with our three resources out of the way, we're going to get started on the topic of work and team calendars. And we've been talking a lot about calendars lately, and it's subject, something we have covered on the Productivity Show quite a few times. So last week, we did TPS 233, and we talked about how you can use an analog and a digital calendar together, and the pros and cons of each, and how you can make them work together. We did that last week. We also did TPS 198, and you can go to all of these by putting theproductivityshow.com 
forward slash the number. So the productivityshow.com forward slash 198 was a really detailed deep dive into calendars and how to structure your calendar and how to use your calendar and really did detail on how to use a digital calendar and why you should use one. So if you want a general calendar deep dive, hit up episode 198. And then way back in the early days of the productivity show, but a lot of the advice is, is still solid gold, is TPS 77, the productivityshow.com forward slash 77, where we give five tips to master your calendar. And so we talked about calendars a number of times, but we haven't really specifically done a deep dive on work calendars and team calendars. Because a lot of times, if you're working an organization, Sure, you have your calendar, but your schedule usually is not just limited to you. It's impacted by everyone around you and hilarity or non-hilarity can ensue (laughs) by trying to manage all of that. So we're going to talk about the best practices for using a company calendar. And so if you're on a team, if you're a team member, you'll want to listen to this because it'll give you some tips for working with that. If If you're a business owner or a manager, it'll give you advice on how to keep everybody aligned and so you can stay on top of everything and know what is going on with your team's calendar. So we're going to talk about work calendars, but we also have asked members of our dojo, which is our online community, for questions and tips that they've had. So we're going to we've collected those and we're going to cover those at the end as well. Yeah, so when it comes to team calendars and using a calendar in a company setting, Trust me, as the founder of Asian Efficiency, I've tried so many different things. And I've come to the realization that there's actually a lot of ways to skin the same cat. There's a lot of ways to approach this. So what you're about to learn is not maybe the right way for you to implement it. I'm just going to share with you today some of the things that we've learned along the way. And you kind of want to see what would fit in your situation, in your team, in your company. And hopefully that will save you some time and frustration as well. So when we started back in 2011, it was just me and Aaron at that time. And I was living in Los Angeles. Aaron was in Bangkok, Thailand. So we had a roughly 12, 13 hour difference. So when we were coordinating, when we had meetings, when we would talk to each other, it was kind of like an ad hoc situation. Whenever he was online, I would be online and we would just talk to each other. And then over time, as the company grew and we started hiring more people, we needed to, to figure out a solution so we, we could get everybody in sync. And so we started to experiment with like how do we use a calendar? How do we get everybody on the same page? How do we make sure that when we have a meeting, actually everybody is going to show up on time and there's no time zone confusion? So it took us a lot of experimentation. So hopefully you're going to save some time here today. And In my experience and the way we run things now, the best solution for us, at least, especially as a remote company, is where we have a cloud-based solution, where we have a calendar where every single team member will have their own calendar, plus we have a separate company-wide calendar as well. So you essentially have two calendars at Asian Efficiency, right? So if you join Asian Efficiency, you will have your own calendar. You will have your own email address, right? Usually your first name at asianefficiency.com. So if you want to guess what my email address is, now you know. If you want to guess what Brooks's email address is, now you know as well. And then obviously you have your own Google calendar in this case because that's the software solution that we use for the cloud. And then on top of that, we have a separate calendar as well where we kind of post 
uh, company-wide events. So think of your personal calendar where you have, you know, your company meetings, your own personal meetings that are there during quote-unquote work hours. And then we have the company meeting where we have stuff like, oh, when is the next blog post going out? When is the next podcast episode going out? When is the next newsletter going out? When is everybody off for vacation? Or when was somebody sick? And so on. So these are things that you don't necessarily want to have on your personal calendar or quote unquote your work calendar, but uh, it's really useful to have on the company-wide calendar so everybody knows like when stuff is being released and introduced and so on. So I hope that difference makes sense. And this was all kind of like figured out over the years, over the, I, I want to say like six, seven years now. And this is, this has been like set up, I think before you even arrived here, Brooks, isn't it? Yeah, the system we are going to talk about today is pretty much the system that was here when I started. You were telling me about some of the things that you folks used to do, like Excel spreadsheets or Google Sheets or something like that. So I'm kind of happy I missed miss those days. <laughs> things are working pretty well for us now. Uh, so yeah, thank you for figuring it all out before before I joined so I didn't have to deal with all that. Since we're recording live in front of our community, the dojo, Andrew was asking, do you have an SOP that includes someone's email address if a second TAN were to join AE? We actually had something very similar happen to this before. And the person who comes as a second person can usually pick their own email address. So if that is the case, then they can pick whatever they want to be called. But the first person who has the unclaimed name will always have first name. So just so you know, Andrew. But we do have an SOP for all of that sort of stuff. So... One of the things that I also want to talk about here today is the six procedures everyone needs to know when it comes to using a calendar. So as Brooks mentioned at the beginning, we've talked a lot about like how to use a calendar in your personal life and how to maximize the time, the way you structure your day and your weeks and your months. Now, when it comes to a company calendar and being part of a team and an organization, one of the things I had to learn over the years is that, you know, you can't really have people with different quote-unquote calendar skills be on the team because it leads to a lot of like delay of work. People often will communicate in ways that is not efficient. So for example, if somebody doesn't know how to read a calendar, it's kind of difficult to then book a meeting with them when you're trying to invite them and they don't know how to use one, right? So when somebody joins the company, we actually teach them and coach them and onboard them so that they have six particular skills or processes that they know they must have, right? Because again, if everybody on the team has a different set of skills when it comes to how do we read a calendar, how do we use a calendar, it leads to a lot of delay and slowdowns. And this is one of the questions that was brought up as well when we asked the community for questions about this particular topic today. And somebody said something along the lines of, what do you do when some people don't use digital calendars and stuff? Well, we address that by saying, hey, when you join the company, we are going to teach you how to use a calendar. And this is a must. This is not negotiable. If you want to work at this company, you have to learn how to use a particular calendar. And don't worry, we're going to teach you how to do it. But just know that it is a requirement. So what are some of the things that they have to know? One is, again, what I was saying earlier, what belongs on your personal calendar versus what belongs on a company-wide calendar, right? So if you're working on a podcast episode, it goes on the company-wide calendar. But if you're booking a meeting with somebody, whether that's another team member or like somebody else outside the company, then that goes on your personal calendar. So that's the first thing 
I want people to know. The second thing is you should also know how to submit a planned leave. So if you're taking some time off, whether it's mental health, whether it's a vacation, whether it's like, hey, you know what? I just don't feel super productive today. I'm going to take some time off. Then you need to know how to put that on the calendar so that everybody in the company knows, right? So that's the second thing that everybody must know. The third one is how to submit a sick leave. So if you're sick, then you should know that, okay, I'm going to report in sick today. I'm going to put it on the calendar and everybody now knows like that I'm sick today. Or if it happened after the fact, for some reason, at least put it on there so that we know and we can kind of track like how many days you were off this year because you were sick. And if that turns out to a little too much, then we can figure out ways to hopefully boost your health over time. But those are some of the things that, you know, we want to monitor and manage. So that's the third one. The fourth one is how to schedule a blog post or podcast or newsletter on the company-wide calendar, right? So at the first item, I was talking about understanding the difference. Now at the fourth point here, it's really for you to understand, okay, how do I follow this process to actually schedule this blog post, podcast, or calendar, or uh, newsletter, I should say, on the calendar. The fifth one is how to change your work schedule. So everybody at the company has a pretty flexible work schedule. There's certain meetings that everybody is expected to be on, like the daily huddle. If you've been following us for a while, you know that we have our daily huddle every single day at 11 a.m. Central, and everybody is expected to be there. But uh, other than that, it is pretty flexible. And if this sounds amazing, you want to work for us, then I would say send us an email. We're always looking for cool, interesting people to join. But yeah, that's one thing everybody has to know as well. It's like, okay, if I want to kind of change my schedule around or I can't make it to that particular huddle, how do I communicate that to the team, right? So there's a process for that. And the sixth and last one that I want everybody to know is how do I book a meeting with someone on the team or how do I book a meeting with a particular team? So there's a process for that as well. And so if we make sure that every single new person that joins the company has those six skills, then I know as a team member and also everybody else knows that, okay, we're all on the same page. Everybody knows how to do certain things. Let's make sure the expectation is there that you do these things as well so that we streamline our communication. And that's, I think, super important when it comes to team collaboration, being efficient, and so on. Yeah, and these six things are important in any organization, but they become really, really important even if you're not a totally remote company, but a lot of companies these days are have, you know, a head office and branch offices and stuff like that. Anytime you work with people not in the same building, all of these become really, really critical because if you're if you're working in an office and you look over and you see that Janice over there is not there, you know, chances are she's sick or people will talk around the water cooler. Oh, so and so's on vacation this week, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, but if you're in a if you're not at the same physical location as the people you need to interact with, it becomes super important to get everybody on the same page to know what's happening. Because when you're planning out the sort of work you're going to do, we actually had this conversation this morning on the daily huddle where we were talking about something that Tan's going to be doing tomorrow. And it kind of relied on one person. And we realized on the calendar that there may be some issues with that. Now, it's all worked out. It turns out it's fine after all. But if all of that wasn't organized on the calendar, we would have possibly been surprised. So it's super, super important to have all this captured. And also, I do want to loop back to what you were saying about having blog posts and podcasts and newsletters scheduled on the calendar. That's really important too, both for planning 
purposes so that you can see at a glance what's happening where and you can also then see when there's gaps if if all of a sudden you realize wait a second we don't have a blog post happening three weeks from now we better make sure we get one so that's something that's very easy to see when you have an editorial style calendar but at the same time you ideally want some sort of mechanism where that stuff doesn't can be segregated from your personal appointments and when you're structuring your day because it's something that's important to know but not necessarily something you need to structure your day around so that's when this stuff becomes really important so let's talk about how to book an actual meeting with someone because if you work in corporate america you work in a big company you work in a team setting you probably need to book a meeting with people on a well frequent basis right so what is the most efficient way to do this now brooks i know you've kind of mapped out different ways of doing this and uh, we have kind of like the easy to fast way to do it we have a militant way of going about things and then we have kind of the Asian efficiency way of doing things. Would you walk us through this and kind of explain the pros and cons of like the easy, the militant, the Asian efficiency way? Yeah, absolutely. This is an area booking people on meetings. It sounds simple, like you need to have a meeting with something, someone you book them. But this is something that causes a, a surprising amount of friction and confusion in a lot of organizations. And it, and it even can be annoyance. So we kind of looked at different ways that that you can do it. And the easiest and fastest way, if you work in a corporation or any kind of medium to large size organization, this will be very familiar with to you. But people who haven't been in that world, it sounds kind of funny. And basically, the easiest and fastest way to do it is to use some sort of team calendar system, whether it's Outlook or Google Calendar or Office 365 or whatever. And basically, the way it's set up is everyone can see everyone else's calendar other than if you mark specific events private. And if you want to book a meeting with a bunch of people or one person, you just find a slot in the calendar that's free for everybody and you just send an invite. And that makes it really the pros of this are it makes it really fast and easy. If you need to have a meeting, you can very quickly find a time that works and book it and it encourages this openness and transparency, which we actually at AE value a lot, where you kind of know what's going on with everybody. So every everything is kind of in the open. So those are the pros of this system. And it's funny, it's so common. What I just described is so common in organizations that most people don't even really think that there is a different way to do it or don't even necessarily think of some of the downsides that can come from this. I know there's some people... I know there's some people <laughs> yeah. right now nodding, going, oh, yeah, that is that is my company. Well, it's funny, too, because when I joined Asian Efficiency and we would have discussions about, OK, what's what's the best process to book people in a meeting? And we had some discussions of this for me because I was so used to this way. For me, I was like, why are we even having this conversation? This is a this is a solved problem. This is just the way it, it is. You know, you look at everyone's calendar, you find the slot, you book it. Like, I don't understand why we're even having this conversation because it was just so normal and so ingrained for me. But once I started to think about it, there are actually a lot of downsides to this system. First of all, it puts the onus on the invitee, the person getting the invitation to decline versus there's no cost to the person doing the invitation for organizing this. So if I want to book a meeting, I just throw a, a meeting request on town's calendar. 
if he wants to decline it, he can. I'm making him decline it. But then it, it's on Tan to say, oh, well, now I got to deal with Brooks and figure out now I have to go to him and say, oh, I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. So it kind of it kind of flips the responsibility a little too much, in my opinion. And number two is it, it assumes everyone's calendar is up to date. So I book Tan at 2.30 on a Wednesday and maybe, well, Tan wouldn't do this because he's He's very uh, particular about his calendar, but I, I invite, I put an invite to person X on their calendar, but maybe they know they're, they have something, but they just haven't put it on their calendar. Well, now they have to go back and say, oh, I know it says I'm free, but I'm not really free. And then that causes the whole thing. But the big thing to me is you're allowing other people to take your time. You're allowing other people to dictate your time. And it makes it so that your time becomes sliced up with all these random meetings. People are finding those little slivers of time. And so so really, it makes it very difficult to do any sort of sustained deep work because you're allowing other people to have at least some control over the time that you're spending. So that is some of the downsides of the, the kind of normal way. And of course, there's strategies to deal with this, you know, blocking off time on your calendar with fake quote unquote, fake meetings so that people don't book it and stuff like that. Or, you know, just calling it deep work. But but still, people see that and then they think, okay, well, that's a appointment, but it's not really an appointment. And so I'll just try anyway. And so it becomes a, a big thing. So that is the easiest and fastest, but may not be the most ideal way. We've teamed up with HelloFresh and they're offering everyone in our audience a total of $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com forward slash TPS60 and use the code TPS60. HelloFresh makes eating deliciously part of your week every week. Now you can possibly relate to this. You come home at the end of the day and the last thing you feel like doing is to figure out what to have for dinner and then figure out if you have the ingredients and it just becomes a pain and a recipe for bad decisions. With HelloFresh, Cooking becomes something you actually want to do when you get home at the end of the day. It actually makes cooking convenient. Everything comes pre-measured and organized so you know which ingredients go with which recipe and you'll love being able to just whip up dinner in about 30 minutes because you have everything on hand and ready to go. So say hello to simple home cooking and I cannot emphasize enough how important the simple part of that sentence is for me, uh, but I'll get into that in a moment. So you get this box delivered every week and every box features farm to fork goodness with fresh, responsibly sourced ingredients. You can discover the benefits of HelloFresh subscription over and over again. You can switch between HelloFresh's classic, they have a veggie plan and there's family plans to match your taste for that week and what you and the family are into. Okay, so my wife is an amazing cook and is one of those people who can just walk into the kitchen and just throw everything together, throw a quick meal together with whatever she finds around and it's always amazing. But there's two issues with this. Number one, she has times when she travels a lot for work. And number two, I am definitely not one of those people who is an amazing cook and has cooking skills at all, really. So combine that with our family's crazy sports practice schedule and there's times when in the past... Maybe the kids haven't eaten as healthy as they probably should in a given week. And this last week, she was in New York for work, and it was one of those travel weeks, so I decided this is the perfect time to have HelloFresh come to the rescue. 
So even though I have near zero kitchen skills, I found the instructions super clear and easy to follow and having pre-measured ingredients was a really big help. I've never been so nervous as the moment before my kids took their first bite of the rigatoni in blush tomato sauce that I whipped up for them, but they loved it. They kept asking for more. And they're not super adventurous eaters, especially the younger one, but the matar paneer curry the next day that I made was another winner. So HelloFresh has been a total win in the house, and we're looking forward to what comes next week. I actually look forward to cooking now, which is totally bananas. So if you want to start cooking delicious meals at home and save yourself valuable time and energy, give HelloFresh a try. Spend less time with meal planning or grocery shopping so you have more time to do what you love. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash TPS60 and use the code TPS60 to get a total of $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com forward slash TPS60 and use the code TPS60. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting the productivity show. I, I man, I am so surprised that this is like <laughs> the normal approach. And I, I remember when we had this production meeting about this episode for today, I was like, man, this is crazy because it puts so much responsibility and accountability on the person who's being invited to come to the meeting to, like you said, to decline, to make sure that the calendar is up to date and obviously, which is a good practice to always have, but it's reminds me of email where we always talk about how email is the opportunity for others to write on your to-do list. And it's the same thing here. If you allow other people to book you up on your calendar without your permission, then it's the same thing. They're, they're just taking all this valuable time away from you without your quote unquote permission. And I know some people are more flexible than others, but I am super strict about my calendar. And if you've been following us for a while, you know that, okay, if something is on there, it will get done, but it has to be on quote unquote my terms. And it just, I always feel violated (laughs) when (laughs) somebody's booking a meeting with me and I'm opening up my calendar and I see two days from now, like, oh, I have this meeting with so-and-so. I I don't even know that that was the case. Like we never had this conversation or maybe we did, but it was like two months ago. And we said, hey, yeah, if you want to, you know, talk to me and just book something on my calendar. But I would like to, you know, at least come to an agreement first before we actually have something booked on my calendar. So it's a very different way of approaching things. But when we were talking about this, it just it reminded me of when I was back at my first job ever, we had the same approach, but it was so long ago that I forgot that was like the most normal thing in the world. So it kind of brought back uh, funny memories, which when you said uh, fake meetings, I was smiling because I definitely did that. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we all have. Okay, so there's another approach, which what I call the most militant approach. And it actually comes from the book that I mentioned earlier, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work by Jason Frieden and DHH as he's known online. And basically, they talk. They call the chapter Calendar Tetris and have a, a chapter about how to avoid it. And so they take the complete opposite approach to this. Here's a quote from, from the book. The shared work calendar is one of the most destructive inventions of modern times. So much orbits around it, so much hinges on it, and so much is wrong because of it. So that's a pretty strong statement. So they recommend the complete opposite of what I just talked about, where at least they say in in Basecamp, in their organization, in their recommendation, is they recommend having everybody's calendars totally closed. So you have no idea what 
Ken has no idea what my open slots are. I have no idea what his open slots are. And they say that taking else, taking someone's time should be a complete pain in the butt. Taking many people's time, so in booking a, a really big meeting with multiple or a meeting with multiple people should be so cumbersome that most people won't even bother to try it unless it's really important. So in other words, if you want to have a meeting with somebody, you have to contact them directly. And therefore, if you want to have a meeting with multiple people, you have to you have to really go around and try and manually find the best way because they want that barrier to be high because they want to limit the meetings that they have. And this is pretty extreme, let's just say, but I kind of see what they're saying and I, I see the reasons why they have this approach. Some of the reasons why that they give is that it encourages deep work. If you're if you know your time is not going to be split up by all these meetings that Joe, the salesperson is calling for updates or something like that, then just by that nature, you're more likely to have more time to do deep work and make really focused time and have really a lot of time to work on your goals, number one. And also it discourages useless meetings and these meetings and anyone who's worked in corporate will be very familiar with this type of meeting where we just invite anyone who thinks might be vaguely interested. So you might you might invite this person, you know, they're not really going to have any input, but it's, you know, you figure maybe they should know. So you send them an invite. So all of a sudden you have nine people sitting there in a room, each of them making five to six figures. And, <laughs> and this happens all the time in, in, in organizations. So this completely gets rid of that. Now, some of the downsides of this, at least that I see is, and I'm curious what you think about this, Tan, is because it sounds great, but the downside is it really slows things down. So we are tend to be an organization who values speed and trying to become more and more efficient. And this is kind of the opposite of that in some ways, where if you do need to work with people, if I do need to have a meeting with Tan and Marmel and Sherby and, and different people about different topics, it really slows things down to try and get something organized. And the other thing is it doesn't really encourage collaboration and transparency as much. It encourages individual deep work for sure, but it doesn't encourage that collaboration and transparency that at least we we value. But I'm curious what, what you think about this, Tim. We've actually been in this exact situation before where it was kind of difficult to book a meeting with people. And that was mostly because we did... We didn't have the tax stack or the solutions to actually make it easy. So even though we had an accessible calendar for most people, because it was me being on this side of the world, we had somebody then in this time zone and somebody else in the third time zone and sometimes in the fourth time zone, because we didn't have the right tools set up, it was actually very difficult to book meetings. And it allowed everybody to actually do a lot of deep work, which is one of the cons, as you mentioned. And also you kind of then didn't invite people that, you know, like wouldn't really participate in meetings. So the people who would show up would actually really show up and have something to say. So that's a good thing. But what we have found, and I know you and I have talked about this many times, is the, the big downside of this, especially when you are a remote company, and I know Basecamp is kind of in that situation too, is when you make it so difficult the collaboration part becomes very difficult and challenging. And we actually value a lot of collaboration. And one of the weaker things in our organization for the last few years 
was that we worked in silos, right? So I, I even brought a scrum coach to help us kind of like alleviate some of these things. And he immediately saw as well that most of us work in a silo. So even though we had a scrum rhythm for everything, we had a team, we had, you know, the right meetings and stuff, everybody was still working in silos. Like if we needed to get something done, you know, I would do my thing, Brooks would do, you would do your thing. And then maybe, you know, once a week or something by accident, we would get together and say, Hey, you know, can you actually look at this? Can you review this? Or, and there's, there was very little collaboration. So we've kind of tried to change that over the years where there's a lot more pairing going on. When we start a sprint, there's kind of a process that we go through where we identify like who should talk to who. Can you guys set up a meeting in advance before we get started and talk about that sort of stuff? So that we kind of know in advance like who should talk to who and we kind of force this collaboration. And when you are a remote company, it's really easy to just silo yourself and just do your thing, right? And for certain people, that's actually a good thing. Like if you, I think if you're running a developer-heavy team, I think there's some value in doing that because there's a lot of deep work that needs to be done there. But there's also a lot of value in pairing. And pairing comes from the uh, software world, actually, as well, where two programmers sit together, either next to each other or if it's remote, they are online together and then code together and talk through a problem together and kind of solve it together. And we kind of took that same approach as well within our stuff. So for example, when Brooks and I were working on this podcast episode, we actually got together and, you know, I did some prep work. I put some stuff together. Brooks put some stuff together and then we actually got together and say, Hey, how do we actually finish this up? Like, can you talk about this? Can I talk about that? And then we actually put the show notes together collaboratively. And because of that, it actually became a much better episode than the way we did it previously where I would do it separately on my own and then Brooks would do it separately and then we would show up and then talk about it, which, you know, if you enjoyed the episode so far, you know, up to a certain point and you thought that was good, like it's only going to get better because we're just fostering more collaboration as a result of this. So I think the most militant way is like a little extreme and we've been in that situation and I didn't like it because again, the biggest con is just not enough collaboration. And there's so much value in teamwork, which is one, you know, one of the biggest core values that we have here, we before me. And I just see when people pair and do stuff together and collaborate that the quality of the product or the outcome is so much better than when we do it in a silo. And so I want to make it as easy as possible, but I know we're going to talk about that in a sec. Yeah, we've we've touched on it, but so we've talked about the kind of open cowboy, everything's fast and easy approach. We've talked about the militant, closed, slower, but more DP worky <laughs> approach. Let's talk about what we do, which is, I wouldn't even say it's in, in the middle. It's kind of, it's kind of a little different. So we do have the ability to see, we use Google Calendar. And we do have the ability to see everyone's calendar. Everyone's calendar is open. So if somebody wants to see if I'm free or whatever, we can all do that. But we don't use that feature of finding a slot to book people. Or, and we don't, we don't do meeting requests that way. Like I said, I assumed we would, but nobody ever did it. And it's been working really well for us. So what we do do, though, is we have, and we've talked about this before, we have an established meeting rhythm. And we we go all through it in TPS 195 where we talk about our meeting day and our, our kind of meeting rhythm. We have meetings every week. We have meetings every certain meetings on certain days. 
And every day, like Tan mentioned, we have our daily huddle and we have our operations meeting on a, on Wednesday and our customer success meeting and a finance meeting. So we have this established meeting rhythm. And so most of what we need to talk about in a meeting can get covered in those. So if I have a question for Tan or if I want to discuss something, we can touch on it in the huddle and go for there. If we do need to coordinate an extra meeting, usually we're able to coordinate that in the daily huddle. So we'll say, hey, let's meet. And and it's kind of a expectation. It's a, kind of an unofficial expectation that if you're going to have a, a meeting outside of our meeting rhythm, it's usually tied to the huddle. So it's just kind of an unspoken rule that everyone's sort of available after the huddle if an extra meeting does need to be called. Now, if you have something that you need to focus on and you're not available, then that's fine. It's not, you're not like breaking a rule or anything, but it's just over time that's become the expectation. So we're very easily able to say, hey, Tan, the show notes for this meeting on work calendars, let's meet after the huddle on Friday and go through it. And that's exactly how we put this episode together, like you said, is we tied it to right after the huddle on or that was the original plan on Friday. And so that's really worked really well for us because we have this established framework. If that doesn't work for whatever reason, we have used services like Doodle, which lets the organizer propose a series of times. And then all the invitees can go in and check off what times work for them. And then usually there's some eventual winners where you can see that works the best for everyone or most people. So that's kind of a fast middle ground where you're not, people aren't directly booking on your calendar, but we can find a common ground that works for everybody. And we've used Doodle and we've also used a similar feature in a software called Schedule Once. I think one way to kind of visualize it and to make it really easy for you to understand as you're listening to this is think of the daily huddle that we have that's happening every single day as the anchor where everybody in the company comes together, right? So there's one point in time of the day that I will know everyone in the company will be there at this time. So if I need to have an extra moment with somebody, I know that I can do it right before or right after the huddle. So that anchor makes it really easy to then either postpone or communicate certain ideas. So for example, if I know I need to have like two minutes with Brooks, Instead of sending him an email, which we, you know, <laughs> at this point you already know we don't send internal emails whatsoever. If I need to send him a message or just talk about something, yes, I could send that on HipChat. And I usually will do that if it's like later in the day and I can't wait until the next day to talk to him about that. But rarely, and you, you can probably testify this, Brooks, even more than I could, but I rarely send messages in the morning to talk about stuff because I like to do deep work in the morning as much as possible. And People, especially in the North American environments or time zone, I should say, they kind of follow that same pattern of like, hey, let's do deep work in the morning, then show up for the daily huddle and then do all these other things throughout the rest of the day. So that is really simple. And then also it makes it really easy to communicate. So it streamlines the communication. I'm not interrupting people. It just makes it really easy to say, hey, okay, if I need to reach this person for an extra minute or two or maybe 10, 15 minutes, I know that, okay, again, the underlying assumption there, the presupposition is that after the huddle, we can kind of communicate and hang out for a little bit to talk about stuff. So I find that really useful to have as an anchor. 
And then also, as we talked about in TPS 195, so you can go to the productivityshow.com slash 195, we talked about our meeting rhythms. So having Wednesday fully dedicated to meetings allows me then to have that anchor in the week to say, hey, I'm not going to be as uber productive that day because I have so many meetings that day. So let's make sure that on the other days I do most of my important work, like any sort of creative work, any sort of deep work. And so having this anchor in place allows me to say, okay, I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z on Wednesday. So let me make sure I plan those things on the other days. And then again, this allows us to really focus and do our best work possible. And then also when it comes to meeting and stuff like that, if somebody wants to book a meeting with me or have a one-on-one conversation, they usually know that it's probably best to do on a Wednesday because everybody knows like we're going to have meetings that day anyway. We're not going to be you know, interrupting your time to do deep work or anything like that. So let's do it on a Wednesday. So maybe I might have to wake up a little early on Wednesday to do certain meetings or I might have to stay a little bit longer to do certain meetings with some people, like especially the one-on-one meetings that we have. And that's totally fine because I'm in talking mode anyway. And I'm like, even as an introvert, I can only do so much talking in a day, right? So I'd rather have it all done in one day and have the rest of the week to kind of do the big stuff. So the way I kind of visualize it, and this is just the best example that comes to my mind now, is like if you have a supplement or a pill box and it's labeled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then imagine having that pill box completely full on a Wednesday. Like most of your pills are in there. So there's no room for other stuff to fill it up with, right? So that's kind of like when I look at my week, that's, that's how I kind of imagine it. So I know that I can't supplement a lot of stuff there because I'm already occupied that whole day. So I find that super powerful. And I know once we introduced that and I kind of pulled the team and I asked everybody, hey, what do you guys think of meeting day? Is it helpful? Do you guys find it useful? Is it powerful for you to do more deep work? And everybody agreed. And everybody said, yes, like this is like the solution. I, I'm surprised we didn't do it earlier. Yeah, you can get pretty pretty tired by the end by the end of all those meetings but it frees you up so much for for the rest of the week and for everything else you need to do and you know that you're going to get your even though you might not get as much deep work done on meeting day but you know that anything that you're stuck on is going to get fixed by the end of that day because every you're going to be talking about every basically you're going to be talking about everything in that one day it really eliminates the need for all these extra meetings that we might otherwise have called called throughout the day. Yeah, so having that meeting day, like you said, Brooks, allows the other people on the team to also change their schedule. So that, for example, hey, you know, if I want to travel, um, let's make sure I don't do that on a Wednesday as much as possible because I know I need to be there, right? Whereas if you have meetings spread throughout the whole week, it's easy to get derailed because you're being interrupted by those meetings. And then it also, it's, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time to say, hey, I need to get focused between 2.30 and 4 o'clock. And I need to do like amazing work between that time because I have a meeting that ends at 2 and I have another meeting at 4. And I in that between time, I need to do the most creative thing in the world. And I don't know about you, but I cannot do that whatsoever. I can do only my best work when I know like, okay, between 12 and 5 have absolutely nothing going on. Let's just do this thing and see however long it takes. Like when I have that kind of schedule 
and that kind of meeting rhythm, then it allows me to really get creative and do some of my best work. So again, if you don't have a meeting rhythm, like a meeting day, I highly recommend you do that. And it will solve a lot of other problems that we've been talking about today. Yeah. Also, we used to have some meetings on Monday and inevitably all of our different countries, because we're in all sorts of different countries. So people would always be off on on certain holidays that other people were not off on. And since most holidays tend to fall on a Monday, all of a sudden your Monday meetings are messed up. So then you got to move them to other days. But by having them on a Wednesday, which is pretty rare that there's a holiday on that day sometimes, but pretty rare. It just makes it so that more people are available, like you say. So we talked about using services to find times for internal people. But before we get into questions, and like we like we said, we have collected a number of questions from members of our community and some tips also. So to wrap up before then, one thing I do want to touch on is we've talked a lot about the calendar for internal people, but a whole different thing is working with external people. So maybe it's customers or people who want to interview you or people you're collaborating with on projects or all sorts of people because we do often collaborate with people outside of the organization. And what usually happens is you start emailing back and forth. Hey, are you free Tuesday at two? Oh no, sorry, I have something. How about Wednesday at 11? Oh no, that doesn't work for me. And then it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And sending the five emails back and forth to collaborate on a 30 minute meeting is just not, <laughs> it's just not a productive situation. So we touched on it a little bit and it was one of the three tools that I reference. But there are services out there that really, really help with this. Schedule Once is one that we've used in the past. Calendly is another one that we've also used. They're both great. Calendly is a little simpler. A Schedule Once is super, super powerful, but can be a little bit complex. And basically what it allows you to do is you can set times that are available for booking. So Tan, for example, has a booking link. Everybody internally knows about it and also it's given out to external people as well where he has specified certain times that he is open for meetings but the best thing about it is it syncs with your calendar so in his case google calendar but it can sync with other calendars as well so that if during that open time something is booked the external people can't see what it is but they just see that there is only certain meeting slots available so it just makes it so easy. You just send somebody the booking link. They click on it. They pick the times that you can set it so that they have to give two alternate times. And then you can just choose what time works best for you. And then it syncs right to your calendar. So everything is happened automatically. We really love these services. Yeah. So as an example, let's say I put in the setting that says, hey, between one to five o'clock on the Monday, I'm available for meetings. And that is generally an afternoon that I'm completely available for calls, meetings, and so on, right? But if I happen to book something on that particular day, on that Monday, and I said, hey, actually, I have an appointment between 1.30 and 2.30, then when somebody goes to my schedule link, they cannot see what's going on between 1.30 and 2.30, but they can see that I'm just not available, but they can pick other times around that to book a call with me. So that makes it really easy to get people synchronized. 
So all you have to do is just set it up one time and say, hey, here are general parameters of when I'm available and just use your calendar as normal. So if you're having a meeting with something or, or with somebody, then it's not going to overwrite that. Now, there is an advanced setting where you could have it overwrite that, but I would not recommend you do that. So if you just use your calendar as normal, then other people can kind of book meetings around that. So it just allows you to kind of like handpick uh, how you want to have your calls and meetings. And if you are even more strict about it, you could say, hey, you know, you can submit your suggestions, but I still have to manually approve them, right? So sometimes what you might want to do is say, hey, if you want to book a meeting with me, you can have a setting in there that says something like, hey, you need to suggest at least two times with me to book a meeting with you. So maybe uh, a call on Monday at one o'clock and maybe another one, let's say Wednesday at two o'clock or something, right? And then when I get that submission, or in this case, Kelly, my executive assistant does that, she would then go in and say, oh, you know, it seems like Tian has a lot of calls on Monday, so maybe let's accept the Wednesday call then. And so that way we can get that all sorted out as well. So it's super powerful. Again, saves a lot of time of the whole back and forth of like what you went over, Brooks, because... Oh my gosh, I know some of you guys are listening right now and you go, oh yeah, that is me. Like that is what I do all the time. And I go, no, stop doing that. You schedule once or if not Calendly, Calendly is actually free. So I recommend you start there. Trust me, just this one tool will save you probably one or two hours a day if, if you're somebody who books a lot of meetings with people. So if you're an executive assistant or if you're a manager or you need to coordinate with a lot of people outside of your company and even internal Man, one of those tools will just save your life. Yeah, it basically allows you to create your own meeting day, but with external people. So you can say, I'm only available for consulting or coaching or interviews or whatever it is. I'm only available for that on Friday. So that way people will only be able to book you for slots on that on Friday for if that's the way you would want to do it and just do it back to back to back to back to back. So the rest of your week is open, but You've got, you've got it when you, it works for you work-wise or energy-wise. Maybe you just know that you just don't have the energy to do these type of calls. Technically, you're free, but you don't have the energy to do them after 3 p.m. or something like that. Then you know, you just set it so that no one can book you after 3 and you're good. So, so yeah, we, we love these tools. All right. So as mentioned, we've collected questions and tips from people in the community. So what I thought we would do is just go through some of the questions that we had and, and we can we can discuss them. If you ever have any questions for us, you can send them to us on Twitter at ProductivityFM, at ProductivityFM. Or if you're in the dojo, which is the best way, just ask in Slack in the podcast channel and uh, we'll work them into a, a future episode. So let's start with a question from Alice. And we've already touched on this a little bit, but maybe we can flesh it out a bit. And she asks, how do you get people who are more analog, not really into using team calendars, how do you get them to use them? Now, one thing you could do is now that you've kind of heard the different approaches, you could kind of, as much as possible, get away from the whole concept of finding slots on people's calendars and booking them and instead move to a more meeting rhythm and tied to anchor. I love the way you put it with anchors have meetings tied to anchors and then that way it's not as important that 
you're able to see their digital calendar, maybe they like using paper calendars, that's fine as long as there are certain times that we all know were available for meetings. So that's one solution. Do you have any other thoughts other than making it a company requirement, like you said before, Tim? Well, that was my first thought would be, okay, if you're going to be working here, then you need to know how to use these things. So it's up to the management team, right, to make sure that everybody on the team has those necessary skills. So if you're in a situation right now where people don't know how to use these tools, I would say create an educational program around that so that they learn over time to use them. A lot of times, you know, people have the intention and desire to kind of use these things, but if they don't know how to do it, then that obviously is the main struggle. So how can you create education around this to make it really easy for them to, to use these kind of tools? Next from Sander, this isn't really a question, more of a tip, but I thought it was a good idea. What Sander does, and a number of people, Katie and others replied in Slack and they do something similar, is when they book a meeting and it's uh, they've requested a meeting, but it's not fully confirmed yet, what they'll do is they'll put the meeting title with a question mark or they'll put the words tentative in capital letters at the beginning when proposing the meeting so that it's on your calendar, but you, at a glance, you can look and see and know that it's not confirmed yet. So that's a, that's a pretty good idea, uh, just so that you can visually see which meetings are really solid and which you're kind of holding as a placeholder. All right, so the next question, and this is from Ace, how do you handle it when everybody doesn't use the same calendar app or you have organizational restrictions? So for example, maybe your work calendar is... Outlook, like many are, and your system's totally locked down, like many are. So maybe you can't use Google Calendar, but at the same time, your personal and family stuff is on Google Calendar, and you kind of need to block off that personal stuff on your work calendar too. So what Ace was saying is sometimes they end up having to write thing or put things on three different calendars, the same task. So do you have any thoughts or ideas on ways to deal with that? Yeah, that's a tricky one. Obviously, having everybody use the same kind of like technology would make it a lot easier. But if that is not the case, then I would almost suggest that you try to move people to that direction. And if you're using a cloud-based solution like Google Calendar, for example, then there's a lot more flexibility in terms of which apps people use because as long as it's synced through the cloud, it doesn't matter if I'm using BusyCal and Brooks is using Fantastical, right? Because it's all synced in the same place. But if that is not the case, then yeah, that might be tricky. And some of the things that people have done before, and this is, I wouldn't call it an extreme solution, but it's kind of a workaround. It's like you can actually use Zapier to integrate certain calendars in between. And then say, if I put something on my personal calendar, Zapier will detect that and then clone that onto the other calendar so then that way it is synced up. So it's a little bit of a workaround. It's very creative. But whatever you can do to get people on the same tech stack, I would say that's probably the, the way to go. But if, if not, there are other ways that we just talked about. Yeah, sometimes you just can't get away from, especially in a lockdown environment, sometimes you just can't get away from having to, having to put things or at least block things off. You don't have to put the detail, but sometimes you just have to block things down off on multiple calendars. Now, what you can do sometimes is subscribe to calendars. So for example, many calendar systems allow you to subscribe to a ICS feed or other calendar feed. So sometimes what you could do is 
in your one of your systems subscribe to the calendar from the other system and usually that the special feed is in settings there so at least you can have stuff coming in to your calendar software to be able to see it all and that sort of thing but sometimes other than using things like zapier it's not a lot you can do unfortunately that would be great though Okay, next question. This is from Martine. Uh, how can freelancers work with their calendar? So for example, in this case, they have five calendars, a work calendar, a personal, a self, a financial freedom calendar, and a possible work calendar for work that's possible but not fully confirmed yet. And what they find is it's kind of a drag to go through it most days. How do you feel about having those segregated calendars and the kind of workflow around that? I mean, it is one way to manage your calendar. And we have talked about this on the blog before and how you can have different calendars and kind of manage that. The downside of that is where Martin kind of hinted at as well is the whole idea of, okay, if you have to filter through all these different calendars, it adds a little bit of extra work. So, you know, is the advantage benefits is that worthwhile compared to the downside of like parsing through it? And in this case, it sounds like it's not. For I know for some people it is. I know Mike used to really love going about it this way. And that is just, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, there's so many ways to manage your calendar and there's no perfect way to do it, right? So in this case, Martine, I would say if if it doesn't work for you, then slim it down. Just use one or two calendars and just stick to that, right? So I'm personally a big fan of just keeping it super minimal where I have a work calendar. So this is stuff for Asian efficiency. And then I have my personal calendar and that's it. So if I need to do planning, if I need to have exercise or something like that, I won't put that in separate calendars. It just goes in either work or personal. And then you can still color code stuff where like planning is purple, exercise is green, you know, social events is blue, you know, meetings is red or something like that. And then you can still kind of like, scan your calendar and kind of have an idea of how it looks like over the next week or two or in the next month. So that's one of the big benefits of that and without using a lot of these calendars. So if that is something that you're looking for to kind of be able to scan and figure out what my day looks like and how my week is going to turn out, then color coding might be one of the things that you might be looking for. Even though you, you don't mention that in there, I think that's kind of implied there. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, for sure. You can have lots of different calendars for lots of different things, but for the calendars that you need to use to plan your day, I would, my personal bias is to be on the side of less calendars for those, for actual planning your day purposes. If you want to have different calendars for longer range planning and stuff like that, that's a different story. But for those day-to-day planning, see what's going on today, I would keep it minimum. I, I do the same thing, a work calendar and a personal calendar and that that's that uh, works for me in fact if you want to do that which is mostly planning i would actually say listen to episode of last week tps 233 we went into much more detail there where we talked about like how to use a digital calendar with a analog calendar which is great for planning so if you haven't listened to that episode just go to your podcast app right now go to last week's episode and listen to that and hopefully that will uh, alleviate some of the frustrations you have there as well All right, so to wrap up some final action items, what we would recommend is look at your existing way you use your calendar. Decide on 
your approach to having your calendars open, closed, whatever, how you want to do whatever approach kind of spoke to you. I would look into those, give it a try and decide on a process for how people work together and book, because where a lot of the friction happens is people doing it a different way. So come up with a standard way that people in the organization or on your team, if that's all the uh, influence that you have, work together to book meetings so everyone's on the same page. And then finally, what we would recommend is look at your meeting rhythm Give give the episode we talked about earlier about having a meeting rhythm and see if you can use those as anchors to eliminate a lot of these one-off meetings that you have. So thank you so much. We'll talk to you next Productive Monday. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get things done. You should be able to get the important things done in the time that you have. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and inside the dojo, we have a calendar course that shows you how to use a calendar to maximize your productivity. We'll show you which apps and tools we recommend, how to set it up step-by-step, and the best practices for using calendars. If you enjoyed today's episode, then you're going to love this calendar course we have inside the dojo. The dojo is an all-access membership to the Asian Efficiency Community and Productivity course. For a very limited time, you can get access for just $1 for your first month. Just go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash dojo. Again, the URL is theproductivityshow.com forward slash dojo. Sign up today for just $1 and you get immediate access to the calendar course. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 234. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.